0: Well, let's get started tonight. I want to thank you for being here, and I want to thank those who have been watching this series and listening to this series and following along on this that we've been sort of unofficially calling one and done. Words that uh, the the linguistic word, the Greek word for this, is a hapax legomenon, words heard once, words said or heard one time in the Greek New Testament. And and we've been exploring words that, in some cases... uh, Mean something to me that has been imparted to me through my own study or through time spent with the Lord, and and then I want to share it with you. Other words that I'm just coming across as I'm looking at Haypax is looking at words that appear once, and and you I go through a lot of them, and some you toss out, and some seem inconsequential, and then and not trying to be tricky or clever or reinvent the wheel, but. Where can we discover a word that maybe the English, because it wasn't written in English, of course. Where can we discover a word that maybe the English is clouded a little bit? And that if we were just to kind of brush our hand through the mist, we might see something a little clearer. And that's what we're trying to do with these. Tonight, I return to a word that we've, I've probably shared with this group. I know I've shared, if you've watched or listened to our ministry any length of time at all, you've heard us deal with this word. Um, actually, I'm going to do two words tonight, two hapaxes, two words that are only one time in the Greek New Testament. They appear in the same letter, written by the same author, and they appear in the same context, but they are, and they are a word in which one word is the root of the other word, but they don't appear anywhere else, which is a pretty fascinating, pretty fascinating thing within itself, that the author would use two words that he never uses anywhere else again, but that both would be related to one another. And so we get into that we're going to get into the linguistic side of that what that means in the greek but of course as we've done with all of these this is bigger than word study Uh, word study sounds that's kind of boring sounding um and i'm i don't think that the word is boring and i don't think that studying the father and his son is boring we can make it that way and so i even think we can do a word study that is exciting as long as it has a point that's more than now you know how to conjugate a verb in the greek or now you understand tense you know that's one thing But what can we do with it? And so always get to the end of a sermon with something tangible that someone can go home with that's more than knowledge. Knowledge is great, but more than knowledge because we're not purveyors of, we're not professors, we're ministers of good news. And so therefore you leave with hope. So I want you to leave with knowledge tonight and I want you to watch and listen and gain some knowledge, but that's not enough. I think this is a word that gives hope. I want to share my title with you because the title sort of springboards us into everything we're going to do tonight, and that is we're going to title this one Cheated by Condemnation. Um, cheated is a word that's going to appear in tonight's HAPACS. Uh, it actually appears in the English as cheat, um, but not so much in the Greek, or at least it's not near as powerful as it is in the Greek. Uh, let me start with some thoughts about the voices that are going out into the world. I think it is vital of all of the things that Christians can do and and the opportunities that they have presented to them, you can read the Bible, uh, you can develop a good prayer life, you get in assembly, you go to church, uh, you become a giver into the things of God, you learn how to evangelize someone or share your testimony. These are all, uh, they're all part of what we are. They're they're not who, they're not what we are. They're part of what we are. Um, We're more than those. We're more than the sum of our parts. I think the most vital thing that we have is the ability to discern the voice of the Spirit, to know when God is talking to us versus when we are talking to us, to know when the Holy Spirit is saying something in our soul versus when the world or the outside or the pressures of life are saying things into our soul. Parsing the difference in those things might be the single most important skill that you can ever learn because it's the skill of how to navigate a world that's not on your side. It's how to navigate a world that is not your system to which you are not first citizens of. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Therefore, you speak a different language. If you are from a different country, you possibly have a different culture and you speak a different language. You have a different set of standards. If you're visiting another country, you recognize that they don't do things the way you do and they don't speak the way you speak and eat what you eat and think how you think and all of those, those are natural things. We know that if we ever travel... But you need to start thinking about Christianity that way in some respects, because you are part of a kingdom that is not of this world, and you have a language that doesn't sound like the lingo of this world. And when you become familiar with the native tongue of this world, that's not a bad thing. It's just not your tongue. When you become familiar with how they talk and you know how to converse with them in their language, that's fine, but it's not your first language. And so unlearning our first language of anxiety and fear and doubt and trepidation, that's the process of the Holy Spirit going to work in all of us. It doesn't happen like that. We would love for it to, but it doesn't because we have so much that we're gripping that we have to let go of that can only be let go of when we are convinced there's something better to grab. And and so as we begin to have the kingdom of God infiltrate our psyche and our heart, our spirit and our soul, our our emotion, our stability. Well, then we can let go. And that that process. That's why we got to be patient in the church. That's why it's it's a fool's errand to try to get everybody at the same place because it's just. You're you're standing in front of a linguistics class demanding that everybody learn the language at the same pace. It doesn't make sense. They don't learn at the same pace. They don't comprehend at the same pace. They don't share at the same pace. So we're the same in in growth, in in walking in the Spirit. And so as we're learning to discern the voices, one of the great challenges that we have is that we've all been convinced of what God sounds like by all the miles we already have down the Christian road. And so you might have come in through church, come in through religion, come in through your parents, you come in through your pastor, you come in through um, a certain denomination or a certain flavor, a way of having church makes church feel like church to you versus the way those other people had church doesn't feel like church to you. That's not the Holy Spirit approving of one way of doing church and hating the other way. That's your culture that was never in that service. That doesn't understand what they're doing and why they're repeating that prayer. Why does everybody stand up now and sit down now? And what's the candles all about? Why do they need a stained glass window? And they feel the same way when they come in and there's guitars and drums and basses and no one's singing but one person and skinny jeans and you know ripped knees and there's smoke all over the building and they're going, what's this? This isn't church. I don't understand this. And you can do this all day long and think, well, the Holy Spirit likes this one. The Holy Spirit doesn't like this one. But at the end of the day, we're all bringing our stuff into what we think God sounds like. And that's okay. God's not offended. And He knows how to cut through the noise. And He's working really hard to cut through the noise and teach us what to lay down and what's important and what's not. And that's not always the same thing for every person. That's why we're unique people, manifold grace to cover manifold temptation. That's multicolored grace because we're a multicolored people. And let's just be honest, we we got multicolored problems and, and issues. And so, so, so what do we do in that? Well, we got to recognize that a lot of what we're bringing to the table in our ear, our instrument of hearing the spirit, and I'm using physical ear, but I'm really talking about the ear of our spirit. A lot of what we're bringing to the table is what we were given. It was the church we grew up in. It was our pastor. It was the, no, it was the denomination. It was whatever. And that can create a deep fake because we're in a society of deep fake. Okay, so now we have something that's never existed in the history of the world, is a digital technology that can be a deep fake where it's so good that it can have someone standing on a screen talking or doing something that they would never say and they would never do and it looks like them and it sounds like them and you watch it and if you don't pay close attention. Even if you pay close attention, you go, Oh, wow. That's real. I saw that. I I mean, I didn't see it with my own eyeballs person to person. Mm, That's the key. But I saw it on a screen and we're getting to the place where we're not going to be able to trust that because the technology is at a place where we have a deepfake. Well, that hit me today in thinking about this word tonight And, and in thinking about how to share this word is that in a society of deepfake, as Christians, we've already been dealing with deepfakes and I'm not talking about digital deepfakes, I'm talking about the deepfake that calls itself the voice of the Holy Spirit, but it's really the voice of condemnation. And it's cheating us out of the life of liberty and freedom and grace and love and hope because it has emulated the voice of our pastor growing up, the voice of the way we read the Bible, the voice of religious heritage, And it's emulated it so well that we have a difficult time getting rid of the chains and the bondages that so easily beset us, (laughs) lay aside the weights and the sins or being entangled again in yokes of bondage. We have so difficult time letting go of it because every time we try, we hear the voice of our grandfather or the voice of the pastor we grew up under or the church we came up in. And even though we know that in some of those cases, they pressed us down with religion and condemnation, I'm not saying in all of those cases, but in some cases, we were pressed with religion and performance and condemnation to the point that it almost killed us. And people have run from God and left the church and they don't want anything to do with any of this because they never felt worthy. They always felt un, uh, undone and hopeless and they always felt like God was mad at them and they were going to split hell wide open and go to hell in a handbasket. All the cliches come ringing back at them when they think they've found any taste of hope or any taste of truth that they're afraid someone else in their life wouldn't have approved it. And we're being chased by the ghosts of our grandparents. And we're being chased by the ghosts of voices long gone. And, and, and we're calling it the Holy Spirit. And I think that a lot of times what we're dealing with is the deep fake. That something in us, something up here, has so deeply attached to the voice of condemnation that we confuse it with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to know that first and foremost... The Holy Spirit is not in the ministry of condemnation. He doesn't know how to do it. The Holy Spirit only knows Jesus said. Let's just quote Jesus. The words of Christ matter to me. Jesus said, when he comes, he shall glorify me because he shall not speak of his own, but he shall only speak of me and, and that which my father has said to me. And so the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, must glorify Jesus. He can't glorify you. We think he's all interested in our sin, but he's actually only interested in what's been done about our sin because the book of Hebrews says that the Holy Spirit witnesses to us what he saw Jesus do at Calvary. And so the Holy Spirit is in the role of convictor, but he is not in the role of condemner. And those are two entirely different things. Because the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said when he comes, he shall convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. And Jesus says, they, not you, because you're believers. But what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's convicting for the sin of unbelief, which really just means the Holy Spirit is always trying to push Jesus in people's face. Or <laughs> I know that's a, that's a bold way of saying it, but maybe it sounds a little better to say it this way. When they come to Jesus in the Gospels and say, Jesus, we've been looking for you, all men seek thee. Maybe that's their way of, maybe they nailed it. They went, hey, everybody's actually looking for you and the Holy Spirit's doing everything he can to get them there. And so a lot of them are taking circuitous routes. (laughs) And don't get mad at them. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for what Jesus provides. They may not know that they're looking for Jesus, but they're looking for what Jesus provides. I think all of us looking for happiness, for peace, for fulfillment, for joy, for satisfaction, we're looking for Jesus. We're just missing him because we put money there and sex there and addictions there and enjoyment there and entertainment there. We put things in that. None of those are wrong even within their selves, but they can become the thing that is interspersed to where we were looking for him and then that was there. And we, went, well, okay, I'll chase that. And then it, it doesn't work. And so uh, the Holy Spirit, our paraclete, our guide, he who walks alongside of us, is constantly convicting I, I believe that but he's not ever condemning he's constantly convicting us believe on jesus for this believe on jesus for this look to jesus right here he has paid the price for look to the resurrected christ right and that entails all things jesus so what the holy spirit is convicting us of is all things jesus And so sometimes the Holy Spirit is telling you to pick your cross up and walk up the hill. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. That's his role. But he's also promising you that on the other side of crosses are resurrections. So I'm inviting you in to lay this part of you down because there's a piece of you that hasn't even lived yet. And I want that to live. And so that's the convicting power. But there's a converse to that and it's called condemnation. condemnation cheats us of the life we could live. And it robs us of the abundant living that is ours. Now, I know I had a really long intro tonight. It's because I really have a short lesson, to be very honest with you. I don't have a lot of screens. I don't have a whole lot that I want to add to the text. I want to try to let it speak for itself as much as possible. And so I want to introduce our apex tonight from Colossians chapter 3. For those, again, who've listened to us a lot You've seen this one before. We've used this one before. Colossians 3.15, the apostle Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. On the surface, on the face of it, in the English, a very simple and straightforward sentence. Let peace rule. Okay. What does that mean? That means it sounds like using the word rule that let peace be the thing that's above the other things because that's what a ruler is. They're, they're just higher. They boss everything else around. And they let peace be the thing that sort of bosses everything else around or let it be the thing that's number one. And we love lists. Christians are even good at this. We love ones, twos, threes. I'm, I'm two, he's one. You know, we love all that stuff. Three and one. So we, so we love to put, okay, so let rule be, let peace be one, and then you know, something else has got to be two and something else got to be three. Um, I don't think Paul's going there, and the reason I don't is because of that word rule. Here's a hapax legomenon, a word that never appears again in the Greek New Testament, but appears a lot pre Christ in Greek classic literature, a lot. Greek word brabeo, to act as an umpire, or to decide, which plugged back into the text, then peace is the umpire or peace is the arbiter. Peace is that which comes in and determines the direction that we go. Peace becomes the arbiter. And notice I say of our souls because that's what matters day to day is our soul. Our soul is our, the seat of our emotions. That's our happy and our sad and our joy and our anxiety and our depression and our, uh, and our peace. And so what we're, we're bringing to the table is the soul. And I'm a big proponent that your spirit man is, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Nothing changes your spirit man, but your soul man's all over the map. And sometimes he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, literally, he just—he's up one day and down the next. He's depressed. He's excited. He's ready to change the world. He's ready to give up. You know, like one day he's gonna save the world. The next day he's ready to die and go be with Jesus. You know, and that's sort of the way our soul acts. And that's why we need to watch Jesus and learn of Him. He said, because if you watch Me do it, and yoke with Me and. I'm the stronger one and you're the weaker one and we walk the same row, you'll find rest for your soul. So there's something to be found in Jesus that can't be found anywhere else. That's soulishness. That's the salvation of our emotions. So we're flying all over the place. A lot of times because we haven't yet found that space with him, that peace that's with him in Jesus. So Paul uses the word brabeo. Um, The English uses the word rule. Let the peace of God rule. Let's put that back in and then let's add a verse to it because context is king. So Colossians 3.15 and we'll add 16. Let the peace of God brabeo. Okay, let the peace of God be the umpire. Let him arbitrate. The peace of God gets to arbitrate what you do. Okay, before I even read on, maybe it's something like this. Let the peace of God be what determines how you steer your vessel. If the water is peaceful, you continue to move. You let the wind of the spirit blow you where it lists. You hear the sound thereof. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes, such as everyone born of the spirit. That happens on the peace water. The wind blows you there. And then we, and sometimes we just face rockiness in life. Life can, can be a hurricane. And yet, we can be at peace in the midst of that hurricane because we're following the dictates of the Holy Spirit. He's umpiring our lives. But if peace is our umpire, then what is non-peace telling us? So if peace is where the ump is keeping us, between the bumpers, this is my place of peace. Should I go left here? Should I go right? Should I take this job? Should I move? should I do this? And it's not about getting all the answers because that's clarity. And that goes back to a hay we did a few weeks ago called the double-minded man, where you're in the middle of testing and the only thing you want to know are the answers. And God goes, we don't play that game here. You don't get all the answers. You just either trust me or you trust that you can figure it out. Which one do you want? Because you can't have them both all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes you just got to step out of the boat, swing your leg, and walk on the water. You wait around to figure the physics of it, you're going to stay in the boat. (laughs) So if peace, then, is there at the turn, then I turn. If I start to turn and peace rocks, uh uh-oh, something doesn't feel right. Maybe it's the peace of God umpiring our heart. This is why I opened with that phrase about deepfakes. Because sometimes the fake screams so loud that we're turning into the place the Holy Spirit wants us. And the voice of condemnation starts attacking us. Because it doesn't look the way our religious heritage told us it would look. We're not making the churchy decision. We're making the decision that leads to peace and those deep fakes come screaming back at us going, you're, gonna, you're, you're against God, you're in rebellion, this is sin. And so how do we know the difference then in whether or not it's the voice of my past versus the voice of the Spirit? So it's not enough to give you, hey, Pax and Go, well, that's a cool word. It's got to be more. So to establish the hope, read on. We're going to watch how this word is used elsewhere as well. But watch the context here. Let the peace of God, Brabao, let it up your hearts to which you were called in one body. This is a key word right here. One body. Because this is Christianity in union. It's not Christianity in solo. And so we, we live in a culture, particularly in the American culture. The American church has mastered the art of personal Jesus. Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? We love personal Jesus. We're not real excited with corporate Jesus. We, because we don't trust people. We go, I trust Jesus. I don't trust people, but I trust Jesus. And, and that often can lead us into some very dangerous places because it's me and Jesus got our own thing going. Nobody can tell me what to do. And there's no such thing in the New Testament. It's always corporate. It's always unity. It's always a body. It's never a hand. Like the head of Jesus attached to this good hand or good leg. Or, it's the body with all of its problems. Because your body isn't always equal. You know, like your foot's killing you. But your right hand's all right. Your left hand's okay. Your right elbow, eh, some problems. Left elbow's fine. It's not the whole body that's messed up, but that's not doing so good, and that's not doing so good. But thank God that's not the only part of God. Well, that's a body, and that's why we need to be patient with the parts of the body we don't understand. And I'm talking church now. We're believers. So you're a part of a body. Let peace rule you. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another one another also same greek word for self there teaching and admonishing yourself can also be used in the corporate teaching and admonishing each other and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs sings with grace in your hearts to the lord why did i throw in 16 because if peace is going to be your ump and you're part of the body of christ how you're going to get how are you going to know if it's god you're going to have to let the word of christ dwell in you richly in wisdom In the midst of teaching and admonishing. So there's no substitute for hearing Jesus. So a Christian without the discipline of hearing Jesus is one who is going to crash their boat into the rocks because they did not know how to listen to the voice of peace so you can say all you want that i don't i don't want to be told i'm supposed to pray because i'm in grace i don't want to be told i need to read the bible that's legalism you can be told that all you want you can live your life that way if you'd like to but i will you show me someone who refuses prayer and meditation and concentration on the voice of the spirit and i'll show you someone who's going to crash their boat i didn't say they're going to hell in a handbasket and god's mad at them gonna break their leg and give their kids cancer Why do we have to go crazy and act like God suddenly becomes people's enemy? No, it's God calling them, going, oh, you crashed into the rocks. Yeah, okay, well, I'm really good at rebuilding boats, he goes. But you're probably going to lay up for a while, that broken leg. I mean, you did some stuff to your life that was shattering, and we're going to fix it. But it's not an overnight gig. And so you lay here and think about it for a while. And that's the role of the spirit as we crash. So what, how do we keep from it? Well, we let the word of Christ. Now, I don't think Paul is merely. Well, let me just be let me be really honest. Being painfully honest, I don't think Paul's talking about reading your Bible and reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason I don't is because Paul didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So he's not I, I, I know. That's dangerous to say that because then it sounds like, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you read your Bible or not. I'm actually a proponent of you paying very close attention to what Jesus says in the scripture. Like, very close attention. And where it bugs you and bothers you, that's where you should pay more attention. You know, like those moments where you go, I really need to wrestle with this one. Good. That's good. But it's bigger than that. If we're letting the word of Christ richly dwell in us, and we're not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we're talking about having a relationship in which we actually listen to Christ. We talk to him. And, we, and I'm not talking about in, out loud, like we are, but learning to hear his voice. Now let's contrast it, okay? Here's another apex. This is Colossians 3, so go back to Colossians 2. One chapter earlier, Paul says this in Colossians 2.18, "'Let no one cheat you of your reward.'" taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Actually, the word not is not in the Greek right here. Intruding into those things which he has not seen. So for purposes of trying to stay true to the Greek, let's just get rid of it. I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, but I want you to think about the verse differently without it. Okay? How's it sound without it? Don't let anybody cheat you out of your reward. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And so, to me, the verse, when it loses the knot, is warning you about people who watch your life, who see what they see, and who have something to say about it, who have a judgment to make about it. They have a... Greek word. That's a hapax. Let no one cheat you of your reward is the Greek word katabrabeo. Now to be fair, there's actually a couple of other Greek in there. Um, You has another Greek word in the Greek katabrabeo pops up here three times in the same text. Katabrabeo, Greek qualifier, katabrabeo, Greek qualifier, katabrabeo. So it's it's almost an overkill moment right here for Paul who's stringing along the same Greek word, 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 word. And so in its fullness, let no one cheat you of a reward. Kata brabeo is to give a judgment against or to condemn. Did you recognize brabeo in there? That was your, that's the word he uses in the next chapter. Now, why didn't we do this the other way around? Well, because I want to I start with peace. I want you to recognize Christ first. If you wanna know counterfeit 20s, spend time with real 20s, okay? If you wanna know the counterfeit Holy Spirit, spend time with the Holy Spirit. You wanna know the counterfeit Jesus, spend time with Jesus. You don't have to spend time with the counterfeits because they're gonna change all the time, but he's changeless. And so he's he's always doing it the same way. I, I don't mean exactly in the same manner, but he's the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So we start with the brabeo, we start with the peace judgment, but then we go to the negative. Paul, Paul gives you this darkness of let no one cheat you of your reward, kata brabeo, which is a judgment against you, or quite simply to condemn you. Add to that this thought. Kata. We worked on this last week. Kata's down. When you give a compound word kata crema, crema, judgment, kata, down, kata crema, condemnation in the English. Because condemnation is a judgment down upon you instead of a judgment that lifts you. I hope you realize the judgment seat of Christ is to lift off of you what is not you and elevate what is you. The parts That's not you. Depart from me. I never knew you. Okay. So kata down from brabeo umpire, a down up. Do not give yourselves up to the judgment and decisions of any man. That's another way of saying that. Do not give yourself up to the judgments and the decisions of people. Instead, you can kata brabeo in your life or you can brabeo in your life. You can either let other people's opinions and statements and judgments about you determine what you do with your life, or you can let peace be your umpire. You have to pick. Let means you have the choice. You do it. You make this. You can sit back all day long, Go, people make me so mad. Nobody makes you anything. People give you opportunity and you grab it. And you run with it because you allow them to do in you or to you or with you what they want to do rather than what you want them to do. And I'm not acting like it's easy, because it's not. Let is almost never easy. His yoke is easy, but you letting go of stuff ain't easy. And, and, and when people bombard us with do this, do this, you're this, you're that, what we take in is what we take in. And the letting is up to us. And so sometimes the best thing to do is to shut the voices off. I learned a long time ago. We've been posting YouTube videos for a dozen, 15 years in this ministry. We've been posting audio stuff, five, nearing six million audio downloads. I learned a long time ago, the devil lives in the comments section. So don't read them unless you wanna give voice to the devil. You go, well, you're never gonna get the real questions. Yeah, you will. I, I'm one who wants to answer questions in truth, not in smattering. You gotta do smattering answers at Q and A's. You gotta give safe answers. I wanna answer questions for real. The only people you can do that is the ones you have a relationship with. And so I'm less likely to give you the full blown answer anyhow, cer- certainly in a public forum, a YouTube space or social media. So sometimes the let is just I'm not going to party to this. But you can't always do that because that's not life. That's not real life. You don't get to walk around doing that all the time. And you certainly don't get to walk around doing that in your anxieties and your spirits and your fear. So they're going to bombard you. This is the way the world works. But, and you also can't do it with the deep fake because they're in here. You know, like the voice that you heard growing up and the stuff you learned. It's in there and it's screaming at you. So how about some context and we'll head to the close. Let me, let me lead you to it, okay? 18 is the verse we're going for. Cotta Barbeo is 18. So I'm going to give you one after it. I'm going to give you seven in front of it. They're crucial. This lays out some amazing theology. In Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. We actually did a haypack on circumcision last week about the cutting. You put off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, notice he did it. He cut what you used to be away from what you are. He did the cutting. He's the only one that can do the cutting. When other people do the cutting, it's in you. They will slaughter you when you let other people do the cutting and fix you. They will chop you to death because they don't care about clean cuts. They just care about results. They just care about numbers. They just care about check marks. Blood on the floor don't matter whatever body parts get ripped apart, who cares? Christ is a better surgeon. So good that we were buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. This is an amazing theology. This isn't just an anticipatory resurrection. It's a participatory resurrection. It's not merely that someday you're going to live again. It's that when you went down into that with Jesus, you came up in a newness of life. Now don't go back and don't let other people drag you back into that way of thinking. 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him. How did he do it? Having forgiven you all trespasses. There's the key. Don't skip it. Don't miss it. Don't overlook it. And don't you dare qualify it because that's how we overlook this stuff. Because I did this my whole life. I'd read scriptures like this and go, God's forgiven us all of our trespasses. I'd go, yeah, only if you do this and only if you do that and only if you stop doing this and only if you start doing that. I'd put four or five or ten qualifiers right there in the middle of Paul's verse, which is so offensive. That's like picking up a book and then adding stuff in the middle of it and telling the author he didn't do a good enough job. Well, who are you? And we like to do that stuff because we all got equal voices, right? And they all matter. So we like to, we like to just throw stuff, out. never seen it. We've never lived in a time where people that know so little have so much ability to tell people that know so much how stupid they are. And, and <laughs> never before have we had that ability. I'll leave that alone. (laughs) He's made together with them. Having forgiven you all trespasses, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Not sin. These are two different things. He's already forgave you of your sins. He wiped out your requirements. He wiped out all the performance standards. He wiped out all the demands. He wiped out all the legalisms. He wiped out all the the stuff you've been doing to jump over the top and jump through hoops. He went, no more hoops. So the message of the gospel is not merely that he has forgiven you of your sins. The message of the gospel is that he has relieved you from jumping through hoops. And if you keep putting hoops back up in front of you, they're your hoops or they're hoops put in front of you by other people. And that's where he's going. He wiped out the requirements. They were contrary. He took it out of the way. He nailed it to his cross. So where are all the old requirements? They're nailed to the cross of Christ. So the cross becomes yet something else. It's never just one thing. It becomes yet something else. If you like that, you're gonna love this, 15. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them in it. This is why Paul would say, show forth the Lord's death till he comes by eating the Eucharist. If you eat the body and drink the blood, you show forth the Lord's death. You make a public spectacle over everything he defeated when you participate in the communion meal, because as a body, you're saying, look who won and we're receiving what he has done on our behalf. So let nobody judge you in what you eat. Let nobody judge you in what you drink. Or regarding a festival, these are Jewish things, festivals and new moons and Sabbaths. All of them are just a shadow of things that were to come, but the substance is Christ. All this stuff was just a shadow on the ground, but the very body is Christ. This is all Old Testament. Old Testament shadows with Jesus in the center of the book. And the light of God's goodness shining down on Jesus. And all of this, are just, they're just shadows. They're just leading you to the body. If you followed them through the Old Testament, you end up at the feet of Jesus. You end up right where you need to be. They're just a shadow, but the substance is Christ. You got all of that! And then Kata Brabeo. So don't you dare let anybody be your down up. These are the people who are falsely humble and worship things in the spirit. They press their way into the things they've seen. They're puffed up in their mind. They don't hold fast to the head. Who's the head? Christ. From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase it is from God. Paul says the same thing at Cata that he says at Brabeo. Those who are judging down aren't hearing the words of Christ. And so we're hearing all kinds of other words and making judgment calls based on everything but Jesus. And the opposite of that is Brabeo, to listen to his voice. Okay, so let's land here. We have to learn the voice of peace. Because if we don't, then we'll allow the voices of others. Sometimes it's our past. Sometimes it's our pastor. Sometimes it's our parents, our relatives our family, our heritage, our history. Those things will become the metric for our liberty. We'll judge our liberty based on the voice of other people, based on deep fakes that we have confused with the Holy Spirit that are not peace. They're just condemnation. They're not peace. How do we get around this? Well, we've got to let the word of Christ dwell in us. We've got to hold fast to the head that is Christ. Those are both in there in Colossians 2 and Colossians 3. It's our job. We've got to do that. It's part of what it means. We have a level of responsibility. Okay, so this lesson would be one-sided if I didn't end right on this, this thought. There's a lot of people, and a lot of you watching and listening who've come into the message of grace and you walked into tremendous liberty. And then any time that the gentle tugging of the Holy Spirit led you into anything, you rebuked it in the name of Jesus. You rebuked it because it was saying you need to get in your Bible I want you to get on your knees and pray. I want you to give this week at that church. And you go, I rebuke that. That's religion. And it's a natural pushback from people who've just been underneath the whip. They've been underneath the whip for so long that any time a preacher gets up and says, you ought to do this, they go, ugh. And they get up and leave. And they go, I'm not going back there because they're in legalism. You go, they're in legalism? Maybe the ought to, they said, was... You ought to tell someone this week about the joy that is in your heart. You go, I don't have to do anything. Don't, don't take ought to as have to. Don't take ought to as you're going to go to hell if you don't. But the deep fake that's screaming in your head is cheating you out of your reward. It's catebrabeo-ing you. And so some, some of us have cut, had stepped into grace and stepped into liberty and stepped into the new covenant and ran in some areas as hard and as fast as we could, and any pushback or any resistance, we rebuked it and said, I'm not going back under bondage. Thank God for God's grace. that even in that, he goes, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. But if we'll spend time with him, we will find that Jesus knows no legalisms because he knows, he doesn't know how to put hoops in front of you to please his father. Christ is well-pleasing and you're well-pleasing in Christ. So the gentle voice of Jesus is never because you're stupid and you're in rebellion and you're lost. The gentle voice of Jesus is, you're my kid and I love you. And this is going to hurt you if you keep doing it. Or don't turn there. Don't make that decision. You can. I'm just warning you. Now, if you make that Listen, wherever you go, I go. You make that decision, I'll I'll go with you. This is how the Holy Spirit, He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Doesn't walk out on His kids. Anybody that's got kids and loves them knows, you don't walk out on them. That's the Father to us. So learn to listen. I pray that you begin to come to an understanding an understanding that I'm pretty sure this room, that this room gets, and I'm pretty sure most people watching and listening get, but there's always going to be people in different spots in the journey that find these sermons, and it's right what they need to hear when they need to hear it. And if you've stayed this long into this message, my prayer for you is that you'll develop a practice in your life that gives you a chance to discern the voice of the Spirit over, the, over your native tongue, of the secular world, because by doing that, you'll learn what your dad sounds like. And you're going to be confronted with deep fakes that, that have, that you always thought were God, but they're going to start to sound less and less like the Jesus you're in private prayer with. And the less they sound like that Jesus start to reject them as kata they're cheating you. And they'll even sound holy. Because Paul doesn't say of the Cate brabeo, they're trying to get you to be lustful. They're trying to get you to be a drunk. They're trying to get you to... No, he's like, they're trying to get you to go back to observances. They're trying to get you to go back to holinesses. They're trying to get you to go to these external performances to prove who you are in God. And if we're not careful, we'll start to take all of the Christian disciplines and lump them into... Uh, that's, that's all religion. And if we would just spend time at the feet of Jesus and we would spend time with him listening for his voice, we'd start to recognize, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like that voice I'm hearing. There's a difference in the way it makes my heart feel. And that's brabeo. That's the peace of God that rules your heart. Would you bow your heads and let me just pray for you in this. I'm not praying individually for you because you're on individual journeys and there's thousands of you watching or listening that I can't pray for you on individual journeys, but I know one who knows. Father, I know you know the journey of your kids. And they're all over the map because we're just different people. And we're all in different spots. Some people are just rolling in a liberty they've never had before in their life. And they're just going crazy in your grace. And Lord, they're probably making some bad decisions along the way. But that's okay. You love them. You're not counting their transgressions against them and you've already nailed the requirements. But Lord, they've had a revelation. Listen to this message tonight that some of this stuff is causing them pain because it's rocking their boat. And it's the Holy Spirit in them going, hey, I'm here to convict you of these areas where you don't trust Christ anymore, and there's other people who are just locked in holinesses, external performances, religious ideas, and deep fakes from their past that told them what God sounded like, and they need free. And Father, may they start to recognize that they're being cheated, they're being kata brabeo, they're being talked down to in so many respects by people who don't understand their liberty and don't know who they are, have their best interests in heart. I don't know how to get any of those listening into the place they need to be. Thank God it's not me that can do it. So I ask you, Father, to do the work that only you can do to elevate those that are crushed down, to bring down those that are too far high. And Father, put us all back at the feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.